tell me how to say ladies and gentlemen and gender neutral terms. Hey yo! Hey yo! Hey, yo. Why a hello and a howdy, we're so very glad to see you Cause we're getting kinda rowdy and we've got a lot to say And we're gonna try and do our very best to entertain you And we hope you'll be delighted by the time you go away That's pretty exciting, right Omega? Indeed! Yeah, right? HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting You will deal with that Atlas harshly Thank you, broke it Look what you made me do! And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio Hell in a Cell Radio Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. I want to point out, mm-hmm. and I didn't even mean to, even though I said so on the end of the last show, that if I got MMR on MMR, that I would even I would shout you out, even though you've never shout me out, and I yeah. got right on it. Steve led me right down the path. It was perfect. Dan, you were a man of your word. You've uh, always been the man. My boss even heard it on his way into work today. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. You got a shout out. I got him dropping into work, and then I hear Craig Lagonde, and he goes, So that's how you pronounce your last name. I think, Yes. <laughs> it's yeah, only yeah. been a year. Hey, You've been <laughs> working me for how long? <laughs> But Dan, thank you, and uh, it worked. My guilt is overwhelming, and I'm drowning in shame for never having done that for you. It was but, it was so. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, when I when I do get back, hopefully it'll be. It, well, it's got to be in 2023 because that'll be the 15 year anniversary of the uh, the song that I um, sent to them that actually got me on their radar. So yeah, so when I when I'm a guest, I will return the favor for you, did, sir. Did you did you know that was the same song as 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 um as uh, Pilgrim? Oh, the Eric Clapton song. Yeah, did you know that? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. You're a thief, yeah. obviously. Not you know sampling isn't a thing. No, and you know that song was ten years old when I grabbed it, and no one else had picked it up. So it was ten years old. That's right. Yeah, that song was pretty old. Yeah. I won't listen to him anymore. He's Me neither. <laughs> it's a little weird. Uh, yes, since we're waiting for our friend Derek, we're going to do what we've tried the last three weeks. We were waiting for Derek and start with a historian. The last show of the year. Last show of the year. Let's do it. The week that was. Let's go. Week that was. Gentlemen, okay. ladies, uh, we're going into the holiday season. And back in the day, the holiday season would be the most profitable time in wrestling. All across the United States, holiday shows ran rampant. Holiday shows run on Christmas Day, Thanksgiving Day, would be the first and second biggest gates of the year in professional wrestling. Nationwide, Atlanta, Tennessee, Chicago, Texas. Christmas and Thanksgiving Day shows would rake it in. Can you imagine a Thanksgiving Day show now in these times? I could. I could no way. No way. No, no way, how. <laughs> but it happened. And uh, other things that happened in the, in this week in wrestling history, we're going to celebrate some very important, influential people this weekend. It must have been something in the water back in the day, but uh, 
in this week of wrestling, some incredible things happened and some incredible people were born. And we're going to talk about it right now. This is The Wrestling Historian. Uh, we're going to go back to December 18th. A uh, very important day internationally uh, in wrestling history because in December, well, actually December 15th, we're going to think I misspoke. Uh, December 15th, 1963 uh, would be the death of the father of uh, Japanese wrestling. Uh, maybe the most important figure in Japanese wrestling history uh, would die December 15th, uh, one week after being stabbed in a Japanese nightclub um, was stabbed by a member of the, of the Yakuza mob. One week later, he would succumb to his injuries. Uh, some would say he was stabbed, um, uh, took the knife out, beat the guy up and continued to party. Uh, others say that he was stabbed, left, continued, uh, went to a hospital, was told not to drink or ingest anything heavy. And he went ahead and did just that continue to drink and eat like he regularly does. But uh, regardless of what happened a week after being stabbed by a member of the, the Yakuza, uh, the great Ricky Dozan passed away December 15th, 1963, at the age of 39. Uh, but Ricky Dozan, born uh, Mitsu, Mitsuhiro Mamota, uh, who was actually Korean, uh, but he was was uh, very much um, had a big hand in training some of the greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time. He trained both Antonio Inoki and Giant Baba. Uh, they were both uh, graduates of his wrestling school. And Ricky Dozan uh, in the early 60s, late 50s in Japan, uh, he was the man, not just in, Jap in Japan, but as far as professional wrestling. Uh, before The Rock and Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper, Ricky Dozan was a movie star in Japan, uh, was on many TV specials, would appear uh, at movie premieres with the great, beautiful Japanese celebrities. He was everywhere. Um, his match with Luthez uh, in uh, October of 1957 got 70 million views. 70 million people were watching television. It got, are you sitting down, Dan? It, it got an 87 share. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they, had to, they had to create uh, a, a giant screen in a Japanese park and, and show the match in order for people to see it, the people that didn't have a television. I mean, 87% of the people in Japan that had a television for watching Ricky Dozan versus Luthez. Oh, those ratings, those ratings wars these days are so, ooh, ooh. Yes. <laughs> and his match with our, the Destroyer in 1963 drew a 67 share. <laughs> um, again, 70 million people were watching Ricky Dozan, uh, the father of Japanese wrestling, again, uh, responsible for both Antonio Inoki and Giant Baba being professional wrestlers, and Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki would go on to be the most influential wrestlers in Japan after Ricky Dozan. We've said many times on this very podcast and the number of careers that they started um, and the number of American wrestlers' careers that they um, they uh, promoted. 
Giant Baba uh, brought in the Funks, who in turn brought in their West Texas um, friends and uh, people they helped train, namely Stan Hansen, Dick Murdoch, Ted DiBiase, all became stars in Japan. Antonio Noki had saw American wrestlers as being a great way to uh, to get more income and get more uh, viewers. It was Antonio Noki that brought in Hulk Hogan, um, made him a star, put Big Van Vader over, made him a star. Um, the Freebirds, uh, Jimmy, uh, Bruiser Brody and Jimmy Snuka, um, all American wrestlers that found second um, careers in Japan thanks to those two guys. And if it weren't for Ricky Dozan, those two guys, and Inoki and Baba, wouldn't have had the success that they had. But we lost Ricky Dozan December 15th, 1963. Uh, we talk about wrestlers that, you know, could deserve a movie. Uh, that was one of them. Yeah. Uh, December 15th, we lost Ricky Dozan. Uh, December 18th um, was a banner day in wrestling. I don't know what it was, but... Um, it was a very happy birthday for these three individuals. Uh, December 18th was the birthday of happy belated birthday to Trish Stratus. Um, don't know her age, but she's here with us. So happy birthday to Trish. Um, also on that same day, uh, Steve Anderson was born. He would take the name of his father, Steve Williams. But since there was already a Steve Williams in professional wrestling, he changed his name to Steve Austin. So happy belated birthday to great Stone Cold Steve Austin. One would argue, oh, one doesn't have to argue. Um, you know, people would say Hulk Hogan's maybe the most popular wrestler of all time. As far as wrestlers sold the most merchandise of all time, that would be Stone Cold Steve Austin. I still see Austin 316 shirts. Uh, on WWE telecasts and in, even in AEW shows, don't see any Hulk Hogan shirts. Don't see any Hulk Hogan shirts anymore. But Stone Cold, uh, yeah, the most uh, argue you can argue him the most popular, but definitely the most uh, who sold more merchandise than any wrestler ever before or since. Also born on this day, he would have been uh, actually would have been. Uh, 84, uh, maybe the most influential wrestler in the uh, history of Tennessee, man uh, responsible for integrating wrestling in the South, some would say, uh, born Roscoe Brombaum. I know you like that name, uh, but he uh, changed his name to um, Sputnik Monroe. Actually, it was Wildman Monroe. But because um, of his pension, and I'll go, get to in a second how he was the most influential wrestler in, uh, in Memphis and in Tennessee, uh, Memphis and uh, wrestling in the South was very much segregated uh, in the 50s uh, and 60s, if you could believe that. And uh, one day, Mr. Monroe uh, picked up a, a hitchhiker who was on his way to the wrestling bout. Um, hitchhiker just happened to be black. But knowing how this would rile the fans up, and because he was a heel, he not only gave this man a ride, uh, took him to the wrestling bout, but he walked to ringside with him. And when the boos kept getting louder and louder, he gave this black hitchhiker, a man he gave a ride to, a man he just met, 
um, an hour before, he gave him a kiss on the cheek. And that got more fans crazy and booed him. And the one woman yelled at him, said, you're nothing but a Sputnik. Which at the time was the worst thing you can call a white man because there really wasn't any uh, N-word for white people. But if you were a Russian, because we were right in the, the beginnings of the Cold War, Russians were the most evil thing on earth, um, most anti-American thing you can be. So he was called Sputnik and he said, Roscoe said, I like that. And um, <laughs> he would later go on to be Sputnik Monroe. And Sputnik Monroe that we've talked about on this podcast many times, the historical uh, figure that he is, he the one who integrated wrestling in Memphis uh, one of the great wrestling towns that obviously Memphis would go on to be one of the great wrestling territories in the history of professional wrestling. But the man who integrated it was Sputnik Monroe um, because of his arrest, because of his frequency. I didn't mean reading more about Sputnik Monroe. I read uh, when he wrestled in Memphis, he went to Beale Street every single night for six months. I thought it was a couple times a week. He went every night. Uh, and he was arrested four or five times. Um, and we know about the big court case that uh, what got him off when he was uh, defended by a black lawyer, becoming the first white man in the history of Memphis to be defended by a black man uh, because of his charge of public mopery and gawkery, another one that they made up uh, because gawkery. gawkery. Or uh, emotional, it was a public mopery and it was a distressing gawk. Something that had the word gawk in it. It was distressingly Um, stupid. Yes. Well, because Sputnik Monroe was in a a black bar on Beale Street, he wasn't breaking the law. He wasn't causing a disturbance. He was buying everyone drinks because he had been there every every night. Um, But he was arrested. Because he was a white man in the black bar. And the uh, his lawyer, Russell Sugarman, uh, a character wholly onto himself because he dressed very stylish, outlandish. And um, again, a black man defending a white man. He, he, in defending his client, he asked the officers who arrested him, um, what was my client doing? Was he causing a disturbance? No. Was he loud and unruly? No. Um, did he get out of line or say anything or even cause any, start any violence? No. Well, then he, the lawyer, Russell Sugarman, cited a Supreme Court law that stated that a white man could have a drink or a food or a frequent any establishment in this country without any reprisals at all. A black man still couldn't, but a white man, as it was written in the Supreme Court, can frequent any establishment in America. So because of that law that a black man cited that a white man can drink anywhere he wants, Sebastian Monroe was let off and made all the newspapers. And uh, after that, the police left him alone. And Sebastian Monroe, who was a, he had a huge following among black folks, the same black folks who weren't allowed in and the ones who were allowed in were only allowed to sit up way up in the Memphis auditorium box. Uh, they call the crow's nest. 
Meanwhile, all the seats on the floor weren't even filled, but the crow's nest was overflowing. And Sputnik went to the promoter, um, so why don't we let these like people sit with the rest of the crowd so we can fill it in? Because we're turning folks away. We're turning a thousand folks away here. And those thousand folks have money. Man, you white people is crazy. Uh promoter listen to Sputnik Monroe because one thing and one of the quotes from Sputnik Monroe, you want to change things, you show them the money. Yeah. And they saw the amount of money they had with Sputnik Monroe coming in here. And what next thing you know, black people were let in and professional wrestling in Tennessee was integrated because of one man. Because of Sputnik Monroe. And its influence uh, spread throughout uh, Tennessee and in the South from black people and white people. And Sputnik Monroe was someone who said, I wasn't trying to change anything. He was just a guy that like that didn't like to be told what to do. Yeah. So if he got a, a he got heat for going to Beale Street from his white friends, why are you going down down there? So, oh, you don't like me going down there? I'll go down there every day for no, six yeah, months. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. You don't like me bringing a black hitchhiker in here? He's going to walk to the ring with me. Yeah, and I'm going to kiss him on the cheek. Yeah. Yep. You don't like that I'm bringing black folks to, to see me wrestle? And you want to have them here? Well, then I won't wrestle here. How about that? So he wasn't trying to be a, a, a civil rights pioneer or anything. He was just a guy that didn't like other people telling him what he could, what he could or couldn't do, and he was such and an. And he looked great doing it. And he looked great doing it. <laughs> so great that his his trademark white streak that he had in his hair. If you look at any of the high school yearbooks in the late fifties, early sixties in Tennessee high school, you will see kids, black kids and white kids, with the white streak in their hair, like Sputnik Monroe. And if you ever go to Memphis, Tennessee, to the Rock and Soul Museum filled with country artists that uh, were big hits in in country music and in soul. Jerry Lee Lewis, Fats Domino, Chuck Berry. In that same museum, you will see the wrestling jacket and boots of Sputting Monroe. Um, talk about wrestlers that deserve a movie. That man does. But he was born December 18th, same day as Trish Stratus and Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's a great birthday for some great hell of a day man hell of a day uh speaking of a hell of a day december 19th 1998 um 24 years ago this week uh bill goldberg would effectively end the career of bret hart with the super kick heard around the world yeah yeah fun times fun times not to be outdone uh a year later um, oh, a year before that, probably. So, but that was December 19th, 1999. Um, also, that same day, December 19th, uh, why I sent you that clip earlier today, uh, would have been the 80th birthday of mean, by God, Gene Okerlund. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, today in professional wrestling history, um, 34 years ago. 24 years ago? 34. 24 years ago. Uh, December, sure? tw- <laughs> December 20th, 1998. I don't want to be that old. 
I don't want to be that old either. Um, trying to make the number make the number smaller. Uh, yeah. But this happened uh, 24 years ago. Uh, what probably um, some would argue maybe the greatest uh, wrestling documentary of all time, certainly the most um, alluded to, and certainly the most um, probably the most damning, and probably the most. Um, uh, thought-provoking and um, one of the who knew uh, wrestling documentaries of all time. But 24 years ago today, Wrestling with Shadows was released in theaters. What was started out with just a documentary on Bret Hart, on on his family, on his life and wrestling, uh, turned into something completely different. That the makers of the documentary had no idea what was happening. This was the, during the last days of Bret Hart that, again, we we, we didn't know. Uh, the last days of Bret Hart in the WWF, uh, the documentary followed him uh, while he was champion. And the contract that he signed with Vince McMahon, the WWF, would be a 10-year contract. Um, but less than a year later, we find out that Vince couldn't pay Bret and that Brett was getting offers from WCW. And it was Vince who, who encouraged Brett to take it. Uh, but couldn't uh, say enough good things about Brett and how loyal he's been to the company. Um, but, you know, Brett was champion and they had he had to drop the belt before he left. And we see in the documentary, the very night in Montreal, lead, everything leading up to it, how Sean was, how Brett was, how Vince was. And they hadn't come to an an agreement on what they would do. Brett was told one thing about how the match in Montreal would end. And the next night on Raw would be his final night in the company. And again, little did we know that a camera crew was there the whole time documenting the whole thing. Uh, we got never before seen access because... When it happened, obviously we were watching and we had no idea what exactly happened. And what ex and but wrestling with shadows showed a light on all of that. The day of and the the match itself and the aftermath. The camera's in the locker room. Brett taking off his boots. Sean, do you know anything about that? My hands are clean on this one, man. Sean, I'm not kidding. Dude, do you know anything? Sean, oh, I swear to God, God. man. Nothing. And to Brett, after the scuffle, saying, well, Vince ran into my fist. That was it. You and to the Vince McMahon out with a punch? With a punch. Yeah, he just ran into my fist. And the dressing down of Brett's then wife on the rest of the crew is still one of the greatest moments in movie history. You see all the wrestlers there with their heads down. Or really, none of you guys know anything. You guys and, knew it. And Triple H, you said, down. I don't know anything about it. What, what, what goes around comes around, Hunter. You remember that. One one day, God's going to strike you down. Yeah. There, and you know what? I find out, you know, after reading this book, that woman's a saint. She really because was. The entire time, he's fucking around on her. And and she, and she, what? 
just defiant standing in front of five or six people god damning them mm-hmm. <laughs> like unreal unreal well you you see the life of a wrestler of a wrestler's wife you know she was there right there with him from the beginning and knew for his career in the WWF and with his kids there and everything. And just so, and just watching it, there's so many other great moments in there. You know, he comes there with the kids. How many dads can say to their kids, go play with the headbangers? You know, and I, I, that is going to Go bother the headbangers. Yeah. You know, or them playing hide and seek with Sonny. I mean, it was just, uh, it was a, not only was, just the you know obviously now it's known as you know the the Montreal screw job behind the scenes tape, but you really wrestling with shadows you got to see the life of a professional wrestler that you really wouldn't see you know and that the the movie the wrestler borrowed heavily from um you see them uh beforehand uh afterwards uh the jargon you get to see you know unprecedented looks stuff that you know we've all known but we now we're seeing it for the first time the wrestlers that you know were going to battle in the ring we see them all in the same locker room or talking you know friendly to each other uh in the in the dress room behind behind the curtain uh really the first time we got to see vince um who at that time we all knew was just the announcer um that how much sway he really had and how much uh how uh how how influential uh, a person he was behind the scenes uh, it's still i mean it's not hyperbolic to say that it's the greatest wrestling documentary of all time because we're still talking about it you know 24 years later it's really well done and they did a follow-up one a kind of a oh, excuse me mm-hmm. they kind of did a uh not a follow-up one, but they did a sequel. Uh, uh, the Owen Hart, they did an Owen Hart one, mm-hmm. which you know, another crappy ending, but uh, just extremely well done considering. Uh, yeah, they, they. Did. I wonder if they've done. I should look that team up see if they've done more documentaries. But yeah, that I remember that even more so than Beyond the Mat. Yeah. Being just such a that's when wrestling became something else. Yes. To me. Mm-hmm. Like that's when it really you always knew that it was a show. And at a certain age you were like, okay, this is not actual fighting. Like it, it's kind of like Santa. You're like, if it, he's not real, I don't care. I'm still getting gifts. I don't really give a shit. And it's like I don't really care if wrestling is not a real fight. This it's a great TV show, and that was kind of that. That even in the midst of all the Monday Night War stuff, the NWO, DX, all that back and forth, and people coming and going, that was kind of the to me at least. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Got it. There's there's something else to yeah. this, mm-hmm. and it didn't hurt it for me. No, that came later when I realized <laughs> that ninety percent of the people in wrestling are abusive, 
bully, disgusting fucking idiots that are enabled by their friends and won't do a damn thing about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Great documentary. I will watch that in the cold light of day. It's just really well done. It is. Dying. Um, refer- um, listeners and viewers of HIAC Talk Radio, if you have not seen Wrestling with Shadows after your homework assignment, please see it. Um, if you're a wrestling fan at all, or if you're just a fan of documentaries, um, I went with people that didn't know anything about wrestling and they came away uh, loving it. Again, I saw it in theaters and just a, a very well done uh, piece, uh, character study. It wasn't uh, just something that started out as one thing and ended up as something com- absolutely, you know, it completely different. It's like you're we're, we're following this um, this guy who's is going to work every day, and then you find out that oh he's oh oh well he's oh. going to be part of something that's even bigger than I'm trying to give a good analogy here. Of um, it was like being the 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 newsreel guy. That was filming the Hindenburg. Mm-hmm. And they were just filming yeah. the Hindenburg landing. And you ended up capturing a disaster in real time. Perfect. Thank you, Dan. That's exactly what it that's exactly what wrestling with shadows is was. Start off as one thing and kind of was. Yeah. And then you keep the camera on and think, oh my God. That was and we have all this footage. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Um, I said at the top of the uh of the um this uh wrestling historian segment about wrestling on uh Christmas and uh Thanksgiving and Christmas are the two traditionally were two of the biggest days in professional wrestler wrestling uh for money making stuff because so many great things happened on Thanksgiving and on Christmas um, and throughout history. Um, was it? Yeah, uh, Christmas 1978 at the Superdome. The tag team of Ernie Ladd and Stan Hansen uh, lost in the finals of a tournament to crown new United States tag team champions. And Ernie Ladd and Stan Hansen, imagine that tag team, Dan, but they lost to the team of Andre the Giant and Dusty Rhodes. Christmas night wow. in the super in the Superdome. Wow! Uh, there were sixteen thousand fans, and they had a hundred. They had a seventy-eight thousand dollar gate on Christmas Day. Uh, also, obviously, you remember Christmas nineteen eighty-two Reunion Arena. 24,000 fans in attendance there. Cage match and the cage match spot heard around the world that's going to be 40 years old this Christmas. Settled in. And the start of the Von Erich Freebird War happened Christmas Day, 1982. Wow. That's some weird, wild stuff. That is, uh, that is some weird, wild stuff. Uh, January, uh, December, Christmas 1980, Jim Brunzel won his first 
uh, an only singles championship when he defeated Ray Stevens for the Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Championship. Uh, the undercard, Ric Flair, um, defeated Ricky Steamboat to retain the United States Heavyweight Championship at Charlotte Coliseum Christmas Day. Again, some of the greatest matches, some of the greatest things happened on Christmas Day um, throughout um, the, the country. Uh, Christmas Day in Memphis, uh, Harley Race defended the NWA Championship against Jerry Lawler. Uh, and Jimmy Valiant would come in and break a Coke bottle over J- Jerry Lawler's head. That son of a bitch. Yeah. But again, Christmas night. Very good. <laughs> Bands would go would op- wake up in the morning, open their presents, have their dinner at 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, so they can get to the arena by 7 and see wrestling. And it would be sold out. Again, Christmas. There is... As as much as I like how wrestling in-ring has evolved since I was a kid, there's no way in hell any of you could book a show on Christmas that I would go to and pay money for right now in the state of wrestling on TV at this current moment. What it, you know, Sorry. No, it's okay, but what really uh, it's it doesn't baffle me. But you know, when so many every year, um, Christmas and Thanksgiving would be the biggest days in wrestling. Uh, but when yeah. the advent, of, uh, when but when the advent of pay per view came, that was never capitalized upon. Uh, I think the only time that either company ran a pay per view on Thanksgiving. Um, well, the NWA was already doing Starcade, and Vince only ran Survivor Series on Thanksgiving Day to combat Starcade. Um, I don't understand how you don't try to take advantage of kids at home and it being appointment television to this day. If people didn't want... There's no other appointment television anymore. No. But I guess they want the more of the live gate. Um, if people can stay at home and watch it, why would they come out to the arena? Well, that's true. But same time, there has been tons of pay-per-views that have had sold-out crowds. Um, why couldn't you do it on a on a uh, on a holiday? I listen. My parents would have killed me if I asked to go to wrestling on a Christmas on Christmas or something like that. However, there are people out there that would have gone to that. I don't understand why that's not a thing. I left my home. Thanks. I left Thanksgiving. I finished I Thanksgiving. My, my home. home. <laughs> um, I was 21, but I left Thanksgiving dinner. And we always had it early. And it was before football took over all day. And I walked 10 blocks to catch a bus. And caught a bus to the Broad Street subway, took the subway down to Chestnut Street, and walked from Broad and Chestnut to the Philadelphia Civic Center to watch Starcade 87 on closed circuit TV. That was thanks. That wasn't even going to a live event. You were watching it on the t- on, I was watching on a it. shitty screen. Yeah, in, in a exactly. shitty arena. Yes. In a shitty arena. <laughs> in nineteen eighty seven, yes. 
But that was, but it was packed. Everyone was there on Thanksgiving night in the Civic Center to watch Stark at 87. What's going on there, I think. Yeah. That, that Ric Flair? Uh, that was Ric Flair regained the uh, NWA championship from uh, Ronnie Garvin. Uh, but the biggest disappointment was the Road Warriors defeating Tyler Blanchard and Arn Anderson by disqualification and not winning the NWA Tag Team Championship in their adopted home of Chicago. And that's what killed the business in Chicago. That's what killed the wrestling business in Chicago for both companies, but definitely in the NWA, because this was the first time that the Starcade, the Thanksgiving tradition that started in um, in Mid-Atlantic uh, with their sold-out sold shows in Greensboro, North Carolina at the Greensboro Coliseum, that they would have, they started having closed circuit um, showings of the Greensboro matches on Thanksgiving night. They'd show them in Atlanta, uh, in Florida, and because Florida and Atlanta would have big shows that night too, but they started showing Starcade there. So they said, well, why not we, why don't we take it outside of, take it away from the South? And (laughs) bad idea, bad idea. But Thanksgiving night, I knew where I was in 1987. Was watching Starcade. Because back then wrestling on the holiday was still the big thing. Um, something we'll probably never see again. But for those of you who remember it, and for those of you who know how big Thanksgiving and Christmas were in wrestling, um, you know that that was um, Christmas and wrestling were almost synonymous, especially in the South. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian. Well, Craig, there? I had more planned, but... Uh... <laughs> We're in the missing man formation. Um, and it's been a quiet night. It's the holidays. It is the holidays. I yeah. certainly hope 2023 in general, but since we're talking about wrestling, as far as wrestling goes, uh, a lot better in 2022. Because you have any predictions? Uh, anything you see on the horizon? Yeah, Vince is going to die. Okay. Um. Regal's going back to WWE. Mm-hmm. Basically, everyone who left is going to be back. Okay. Most of them. Now, uh, this... Ring of, Hon- Ring of yeah. Honor is going to be put on the shelf. Uh-huh. Because Tony Khan's kind of stupid. Yes, I kind of, but uh-huh. Uh, well, you know, you know, Billy's going to win the World Series. Woo. Um, I Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Now, when you said everyone that's left is coming back, would that include a CM Punk? Um, I will say this. Him coming back to AEW mm-hmm. certainly oils the old rusty hinges of the WWE door. <laughs> because I as- think if anybody can smooth that over, it's Triple H. I agree. Uh, but right now, as as we record this podcast, uh, CM Punk is still under contract with AEW. 
uh, yeah. his contract has not been terminated. It hasn't been voided or anything. He um, is not free to work anywhere else. He's free to do his. I mean, he's, is he he's not hit? free to work. He's free to work, do anything he wants as far as in the entertainment business, but he cannot go to another wrestling company right is now. Is he getting paid? Yeah, I he was on a UFC. I think he was on a um, an an MMA uh, pay per view, and he. And I he saw has, he was kind of bitchy about it. Yeah, maybe the man's just a bitch. I think in this case, it was I'm. It's more the uh, of AEW, um, and there's blame all the way around. Um, but Punk is a guy that isn't always been a guy that's just not going to take any shit and he's going to call people out on it just like he did when he was in wwe uh if he gets painted as with the same brush as being a troublemaker everywhere he goes well every, i said it before everywhere he goes he's had a legitimate gripe um he has uh, he has but eventually you gotta go maybe it's me in this case it wasn't him um no as far as the Bucks and Kenny Omega go, um, when he what he said, what he said, like I, I work with, I'm I'm old, I'm hurt, and I'm t- tired because I work with children. And he didn't start the fight. Um, if you if you call what he said on a on a post match scrum at two in the morning, starting it, but it was other people that came into his dressing room, and he was only defending himself with three on it's four on one. Or three on one, uh, but the whole thing could have been handled a lot better. And it gets me that Adam Page, who instigated all of this, gets off scot free. And had he not gone into business for himself, Punk wouldn't have had any. I'm sure Punk would have had uh, still have enough ammunition to to throw back at them. But uh, Page doing is what really would kicked it all off. Was going when him going into business for himself, but uh, yeah, in 2023, yeah, we'll see the return of William Regal in WWE if that sees a uh, a decide an upturn in the quality of matches that we'll that we'll see. That will be a great welcome sight if we get to see more than the same 12 guys on every show. That would be nice. Um, the return of Cody Rhodes, that would be nice. That'll be good. It'll happen eventually. Yeah. Um, the the long reigning tag team title reign of the Usos coming to an end at the hands of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. That would be nice. Um, these are all my predictions, by the way. Sure. Uh, yeah. Gunther breaking the 35-year record of the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion see that happening whether or not you know there's already speculation that he's taking on brock at wrestlemania i would love to stop talking about honky tongue man yeah um but if anyone's going to do it and if anyone should do it got to be gunther or walter um but yeah here's this in the people i want to see more of on television namely la knight um austin theory uh, Imperium, the tag team. That's your heel stable right there. If your Gunther is your your longest reigning Intercontinental Champion, put the tag team belts on uh, on Imperium. You've got your your main event heel group right there. 
love to see Rhea Ripley with a belt in 2023 at some point. I don't want to see her wrestling man. I don't want to see her getting the China treatment. Um, she uh, had a match with uh, Tozawa last night, and of course she came out on top. Um, but as as great a match as it was, it's got everyone talking. I don't think it does either one of them any good. I'm okay with intergender wrestling, and I do want to see more of it. But uh, for God's sakes, be the same size. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, you could have had China kicking the shit out of anybody, mostly. Mostly. And you can have uh, Rhea kicking the shit out of a lot of people. Go for it. Whatever. But I need her to not just be mommy. I like her being mommy. Yeah, I like her. I I need some... I need a title. I need... I, I know people's argument the title doesn't mean anything. I, I would like it to have it, a title. It the title means whoever the title means to the whoever's holding it. Yes, makes correct. it mean something. I don't really give a shit what Joe Schmo, random fuck on Twitter thinks. Wrestling journalist thinks. My my and you don't need to care what I think. By the way, looking mm-hmm. within. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm so tired of saying. Well, the titles don't mean anything. Then what the fuck are they there for? Yeah. Stop it. And well, that's the goal of 2023, I hope, is to make the titles mean something. If you put yes. this, you keep the belt on Gunther, have him go through people left and right, defending the Intercontinental Championship against quality opponents, then the belt means something, like it used to. You remember when Rock and Stone Cold were fighting over the Intercontinental belt? Everyone, Sean and Razor? Did a lad- the greatest ladder match of all time? That was for the Intercontinental Belt. Remember when Davy Boy and Brett got eighty four thousand people in Wembley Stadium? That was for the Intercontinental Championship. Yep. Remember Savage and Steamboat WrestleMania three? People that are still calling it the greatest match of all time. That was for the Intercontinental Championship. That meant when it so the belt meant something. And people forget that. Yeah. The belt does mean something. It doesn't need to be used as a like he was, was just used as a storyline foil. That still means something. Yeah, make it mean something. Same thing. With I know theory. we're almost getting back to uh, a discussion on this show when it was still pay per views. That it's too many. It's too many. Yeah, it's too many premium events. Go to your big name ones. Yeah. Name the other ones in your house, whatever the fuck. WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, King of the Ring, or Fall Brawl. or SummerSlam. SummerSlam, there you go. Slow it down. Yeah. The reason the 12 pay-per-views came up was because there was this war. There's no war. Mm-mm. For a million? To, to, to tip the scale over a million? To have people... To watch people argue and and actually go as far as doxing and racism and sexism on Twitter over tipping the scale above a million rating. Let's evolve in 2023. Jesus Christ. I would love to tweet more about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I then read everybody else. I'm like, I don't really want to be a part of this. 
I don't know. I agree. I used to I used to talk about this stuff incessantly. Yeah. And either and other than on the podcast, I don't really care. It's gotten to the point now. Um I missed Raw last night and I just now I just go to the wrestling news every morning to find out what I missed. Um, because watching it for three hours doesn't really hold any interest for me. Um in AEW, you're talking about, we were just talking about making the belt mean something in WWE. AEW, they need to get rid of some of the belts. I mean, everyone's got a belt, so it doesn't mean anything when everyone has one. You have an AEW, they had, there was three belts. There was the AEW Championship, the AEW Tag Team Championship, and then they created the TV title. Okay, that's all you need. Three, but no, there's we'll bring a ring of honor and they have all their belts, and then we'll make a six man tag team. Then they have all their belts. They run it, run ring of honor. The, the mistake they made with ring of honor is run it as a separate entity, have ring of honor on Friday nights, and all the guys, yeah, like you said use... that last week. Yeah, get yes. rid of uh, whatever, what's the Friday show called? That um is um rampage. Rampage. Get rid of that. You have AEW Dark. You got the YouTube ad red ad red than you. Mm-hmm. Get rid of get Ring of Honor on its own thing. Don't make the same mistake Vince McMahon was gonna do. Mm-hmm. Like it was originally gonna run as a separate thing, and then it all fell apart. Yeah. You're basically proving, like if the, you're 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 like you you're doing this thing in the middle. No, Jer- Jericho doesn't need to be on both shows. No, you Have got you guys on one show. Guys, uh, I can't believe that AW. That Tony, let me rephrase that. I can't believe Tony Khan did not sign. Jonathan Gresham. And he went to fucking Impact. Granted, his wife is a superstar there. Uh, Jordan Grace, who's mm-hmm. head uh, head and shoulders above most of any talent there. Mm-hmm. In ring and out. But he went to Impact. Yeah. And furthermore, Jordan Grace is still on Impact and nowhere else. What? Yeah. What? And also, is the ring lighting in Ring of uh, in Impact now just fluorescent lights from a basement? It's nice. bothering me. Give me. I rather I rather watch a Kevin Dunn product. Yikes! Jesus Christ! I saw Jonathan Gresham get signed on Impact. I'm like, great. Three hundred thousand people are going to see him. Now that's good for him. Don't get me yeah. wrong. He's going to get paid. But you had him, Tony. Yeah. He was making noise in Ring of Honor. Jericho. Thank God Jericho's champion. Well, Claudio's your champion now. and That's great. Yeah. But I didn't need to see Jericho... The things that they 
I'm going to end the podcast, my comments of wrestling this year like this. The things in 1996, 97, 98 that all these guys were crapping on all the older guys for, they are now doing. Thus proving those old guys wrong, right? Right. That of course they're going to hang on as long as possible. Yes. On a PS to this, Ric Flair, nobody gives a fuck that you lost respect for Jim Ross. You goddamn sex assaulter. Shut the fuck up and go away. Disrespectfully. Yeah. Yeah, he was on first ESPN first take uh, this morning because um, there was a new uh, Peacock uh, special. Documentary yeah, that's what we need. Him. Another documentary about Ric Flair. I don't know the story yet. There hasn't been one ever. <laughs> Um, if you want to watch a Ric Flair story, watch the ESPN documentary on him, and then watch the Dark Side of the Ring tale called The Flight to get the full scope of who Ric Flair is. Not denying his place in wrestling history. No, not at all. Not at all. And we've we've done all, that's the beauty of this podcast. We've praised um, the we've given credit where credit is due to the people that we cannot stand as people um one thing has nothing to do with the other the hall of fame in every sport is filled with reprehensible human beings burn the fucking hall down yes oj simpson is still one of the greatest running backs of all time he just cut somebody's head off yes ty cobb was a racist who killed a person but great baseball player greatest hit one of the greatest hitters of all time yes and 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 on and on, but um. Hey, Jimmy Schnucky killed his uh killed his uh ex girlfriend. But he sold out Madison Square Garden. Off a cage once. Yeah, and, and sold out Madison Square Garden, you know, ten times as a main event guy. And was easily the most popular wrestler in the entire world in 1982, before Hulk Hogan. But yeah. One's got nothing to do with the other. <laughs> so those are the things. Yay! That are, yay. By twenty twenty two. Fuck. Ah, <laughs> oh, good, Craig. Make your final point. Sorry. No, that's a, that. That was my point. I I'm giving you uh, my predictions or my hopes and dreams of twenty twenty three. Um, that we fact that in fact that we still have wrestling to talk about. In 2023. Now, I'd love to keep doing historian every single week with you guys because Lord knows there's so much more to look back on than there is to look forward to. But I'm hoping, one of my hopes in 2023, that trend uh, will not continue, that we'll have plenty to talk about, good things to talk about in the present in 2023. Uh, my hope is to, to come on with our HIAC talk radio viewers and listeners is a man. Did you see what happened on Monday or wow, we got to talk about that match on AEW. That was amazing. That's my hope. My biggest hope and wish uh, for 2023. Irregardless, uh, I will be here 
uh, with Dan and hopefully Derek for many, many more weeks to come in 2023. So we can talk about the sport that we still love, tolerate would be a better word. Um, <laughs> and I the love thing that, that I wouldn't be doing this goddamn show. <laughs> that brought us all together in the first place. And that's professional wrestling. Where can people follow you, sir? They can follow me in this year or any other year on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagans, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on social. I, I keep saying Twitter. I don't know if Twitter will be alive by the time the show. Follow me on social media. YouTube. Facebook. Twitch. Twitter. Hive. Instagram. And on PrestonandSteveRock.com. TikTok and PrestonandSteveRock.com at DanLaw83. H-I-A-C Talk Radio, your hub for this show, Stadium Journey, Manic Mixtape, which we will have one episode before the end of the year, Nerd Herders, all there. Go to your podcast app on your smartphone or tablet, type in the H-I-A-C Talk Radio Network, not the archive one, the other one, the colorful logo, and subscribe, follow, please, I beg you, God damn it. Uh... Goodbye 2022 and remember start 2023 keep it on the paper